Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. Off the top, I'll just hit you with our plan for this upcoming season. We're going to be aiming to record two podcast episodes per week. The first, which will come out early Tuesday morning, will be a waiver wire recap. And the second coming out Friday, normally early morning, but today a little bit late because I'm just behind with things, we'll be looking at at the DFS slate for the week, looking for the best matchups. So this is a bit of a companion piece to the start and sit column that I have posted up on footballoutsiders.com and which will come every week. But taking it a little bit further, using the weekly projections that we produce that include those weekly matchup considerations, we're going to be projecting what we expect the prices should be on DraftKings and FanDuel and then looking for the best values based on their actual prices on those platforms. So hopefully we can help you identify the best lineups for you um, for your DFS play. And it's just important to keep in mind that those platforms do adjust their prices every week to include for things like matchups. So it's not always the best player matchups that lead to the best price values on, on, on DFS, which is why we're going to go through it uh, every Friday, starting the day leading into week one. So I'm going to start with Josh Jacobs. He's my favorite value on DraftKings this week, um, more than a $1,000 surplus value, one of just two players on the platform at that price. So this is actually a confluence of different factors. In Kubiak, we're projecting Jacobs to more than double his full season reception total compared to his rookie season. And there are a couple reasons for that. One is that he's just one of 16 running backs in my database with a 13% college receiving ratio who weighs more than 215 pounds. That compares him to guys like Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, DeMarco Murray, David Johnson, and Saquon Barkley, some of those bell cow type of dual threat running backs that you see in the NFL. Jacobs has the build and the skill set to be that player and so we're, we're expecting him to sort of expand what he's doing in the receiving game this season. And to further that point, back in August, Vic Tafer of, of The Athletic, he reported that he heard that Gruden was so mad last year that Jacobs didn't win Offensive Rookie of the Year, thinking that Kyler Murray won, even though he was the third best rookie, just because he's a quarterback. That the Gruden ended up vowing that Jacobs was going to get more carries and, in particular, more receptions to prove that the voters got things wrong. So a lot of things going there in the full season favor of Jacobs. I'm not sure that's included in his price here on DraftKings. And more importantly, this is just an unbelievable matchup on the road here against Carolina Panthers. Last season, they were far and away the best matchup for opposing running backs, boosting yards per carry by 26% and touchdowns per carry by 117.6%. So obviously just an outrageous degree. We don't know for sure whether Carolina is going to be as good of a matchup. They've made over their entire defense, and including with drafting Derek Brown, a top 10 pick who's a defensive tackle, getting K1 Short, a former Pro Bowler back at defensive tackle. Both of those things could maybe improve their run defense, but younger defenses tend to struggle. And just in general, given that the Panthers are one of the worst teams in the league, you expect teams to build leads and, and be able to run the ball a lot in the second half. I think that's going to happen with Jacobs on Sunday, which is why I love him as a play in DraftKings. Uh, the other player uh, with more than $1,000 surplus, ironically, is in the same game, Robbie Anderson, receiver for the Panthers. Uh, so while the Panthers are probably going to be a bad team, I think that their offense could be much improved and could actually throw the ball quite a bit. To start with, new offensive coordinator Joe Brady, he's worked with Teddy Bridgewater before back when he was a Saints quarterback coach. So I think that bodes well in a season that may be prioritizing continuity. They have a little bit more than you would expect for a new coaching staff and new quarterback. Meanwhile, Brady was the head coach at LSU last season when Joe Burrow emerged as, as the Heisman winner and finished second in um, FBS with 527 pass attempts. Compared to the previous season with a different coach, 
he jumped from 29.2 pass attempts per game to 35.1. That's really the only indication we have either way what Brady's going to be like as, as an offensive coordinator. Um, but to me, it suggests that he's probably going to open things up, maybe run with three wide receiver sets pretty often, and have Bridgewater sling the ball all around the field, something that the Panthers will probably have to do if they're trailing in games anyway, which I think is a real risk this Sunday against the Raiders. The, the real reason I think why people may be down on Anderson and maybe down on him specifically this week, um, and he's actually quite a value based on our metrics and FanDuel as well, $750 value there, is that he's a deep threat receiver, and that really hasn't meshed well with what Bridgewater's been like in his career. Bridgewater's been a very low average depth of target quarterback, very conservative. But I'll point out that at both of his previous spots, he played for a very conservative head coach whose other quarterbacks had low ADOTs as well. So Kirk Cousins, while with the Vikings, has a 7.4-yard ADOT. Breeze, uh, Drew Breeze with the Saints, 7.2 in recent seasons. So it's kind of right in that similar midst to what uh, Bridgewater's been doing. It may not really be a reflection of his skill set as much as his coaching's decision-making. And to kind of further that point, last season, Bridgewater threw an accurate deep pass on 50, uh, 56.5% of his attempts, 16 or more yards in the air. That was the fifth best of 34 quarterbacks with his total number of attempts. It's a fairly small sample, dicing it by a part-time starter and dicing it again by deep attempts. But I don't think it's a given that Bridgewater can't throw the ball deep. And maybe this is more probably a tournament play choice, but I think that Anderson could be a good value this week, maybe could score on a deep one. And then meanwhile, Bridgewater himself, as you can probably guess by all that conversation, I, I'm high on him this week, and he is value, in particular in FanDuel, where he has the, the best value at nearly $1,000 surplus there. Also a great value in DraftKings, $5,900 salary. Like him a lot. The Raiders also a great matchup um, in terms of passing. They, they improved yards per attempt by 10% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 32% last season, both in the top five in football. They also cut passing interceptions per attempt by 26%, uh, also five best from the quarterback's perspective in football. If you want to further this with a little bit of a stack, I think Curtis Samuel is a good choice as well. Kind of similar logic as a deeper threat, more than $600 value on both DraftKings and FanDuel. And then Christian McCaffrey, the most expensive player at $10,000 on both platforms, but not super, like not outrageously expensive given what we expect for him this week. In DraftKings, he's actually a little bit of a value at more than a $200 surplus. FanDuel, he's on the other side of things, but not too bad. The Raiders last season, uh, they weren't a great matchup in terms of yards per carry, but they were neutral in terms of rushing touchdowns per carry, and more importantly, were top 10 booster of running back completion percentage, receiving yards per uh, target, and receiving touchdowns per target. That's really where McCaffrey ha makes his hay in any case, so I think he's a pretty okay option for you, and if you want to stack things, go with that. The one player I would probably avoid is DJ Moore. I think with the theory being that, that Bridgewater is just going to check down constantly, Moore is going to get an even higher percentage of the target share this season than he had in, in previous seasons with former quarterbacks. And while I do think Moore is clearly the best receiver on the team, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it may be more of an even split um, getting you know Anderson, getting Samuel involved. And so I, I have Moore as a bad value this week at his prices, more than $500 uh, shortfall in value there. Moving to another game involving an NFC South team, we've got Julio Jones, Atlanta, uh, at home against the Seahawks. Great value in DraftKings at more than $700 surplus, $7,700. Uh, he's more expensive in FanDuel at $8,200, and I don't like him as much there. 
But with Jones, I think the reason in DraftKings he may be a bit of a value is that he's gotten a reputation as being a bad touchdown scorer based on his just three touchdown catches in 2017. He caught just two of 19 end zone targets that season. But if you think about how he like he's built, the kind of player he is, his leaping ability, et cetera, that doesn't really make sense. And since then, he's rebounded very nicely, catching nine of his 20 end zone targets the last two seasons. So I think it's fair to, to point to that 2017 season as just an anomaly. You know, that was the Falcons' hangover season uh, after their Super Bowl loss. It's really not that unusual for that sort of thing to happen. And it's a small sample size in any case. I think the skill set points to that that Jones would be a good touchdown scorer. Meanwhile, that was really the only red flag, I would say, in his fantasy value period. He's played at least 14 games for six straight seasons. He's caught at least 83 passes for at least 1,394 yards for six straight seasons. Is safe as safe comes. Meanwhile, this week... It's a bit of a plus matchup here against the Seahawks. Part of that is just that the Seahawks are a good team and they tend to increase their opponent's pass attempts. They're the fifth biggest booster in pass uh, pass plays overall last season and one of the five biggest uh, dockers of run plays. So probably a good news there for, for Jones. Meanwhile, they're a little bit above average in terms of allowing completion percentage, receiving yards per target, and receiving touchdowns per target to wide receiver ones. More importantly really than that is just the fact that it's at home in the Dome where teams see a 17.5% bump in their passing touchdowns when they're at home in a Dome, passing touchdowns per attempt. And it's kind of interesting how that ends up being split among the different positions. So for receiver, uh, for running backs and slot receivers, they actually see fewer passing touchdowns per target at home. But wide receiver ones and twos, deep wide receivers, and tight ends all see pretty substantial boosts. Wide receiver ones like Jones see a 16% boost. So I think that's probably a good sign there. Tight ends also see a 16% boost, and I think that points to why Hayden Hurst is also a good value this week. I've got him at a $600 surplus in DraftKings, just $350 in FanDuel. But Hurst, coming in to replace the established Austin Hooper, I think there's some trepidation that maybe he can't get that done. He just hasn't really done that much as a player. But last season, he was actually one of the most efficient receivers at the position in football, 28.1% DVOA. That was the second best among tight ends with 30-plus targets. To me, it was really just a situation where he was always a good player, but he happened to get drafted in the same draft class as Mark Andrews, who also is really good. So the Ravens had a surplus of talent there, and they were just kind of reallocating those assets by trading him to the Falcons this offseason. I think he can thrive, maybe not be what Hooper was last season, but be a very productive tight end. I have him in the top 10 for the full season, and I think it may take a, a few weeks for you know the, the DFS platforms to catch up to that fact. Sticking with the Atlanta game, Todd Gurley, uh, value in particular in DraftKings, $600 surplus there. Fandle closer to 300. I mentioned that the Seahawks were a bad matchup in terms of, of running plays, but they do. Um, they were last season the second biggest booster in rushing touchdowns per attempt with an 80% boost. So I think Gurley has some safety there and then has some safety in the passing game too is, is really a dual threat guy in that respect. Obviously, I'm worried long-term about the knee arthritis, and that could be a reason why Gurley won't be the, the full-season value you want him to be in, in a full-season fantasy format. But in week one in a DFS context, I think he's a good option. Meanwhile, Matt Ryan, pretty close to neutral at his prices, 6700 in DraftKings, 7800 in FanDuel. I think you're fine if you want to use him as part of a stack. Calvin Ridley, though, closer to neutral, probably avoid him. And then across the field, actually one of the best values in both platforms, DK Metcalf, a value surplus of nearly $900 at $5,800 price uh, in DraftKings, closer to $600 surplus at $6,400 in FanDuel. I really like Metcalf in particular in the Seahawks offense. 
the Falcons weren't a great defense last season, obviously, especially at cornerback. And they've tried to make some changes, drafting rookie A.J. Terrell. But Kendall Sheffield suffered an unknown injury this week. He's in a walking boot. I think he's unlikely to play. So you're just going to really have Terrell and Isaiah Oliver, who didn't perform super well last season as a second-year player, with very little depth at corner behind them. Honestly, I think Terrell, the rookie, is going to be on uh, Metcalf primarily this week, which obviously it's tough for a rookie in his first game to be guarding a really capable player like Metcalf. But in particular, Metcalf has three inches and 34 pounds on Terrell. So it could be kind of a bullying situation that I think is why Metcalf, for me, is, is the premier choice of the Seahawks players this week. Okay, shifting gears a little bit, uh, we've got Jack Doyle uh, of the Colts at, on the road in Jacksonville. He's a neutral value in, in FanDuel, but I like him a lot in DraftKings, $840 surplus at $3,600. He's actually $1,500 cheaper in DraftKings than FanDuel, so I think that on its own it probably tells you that he's a bit of a value there. But I'll point out, too, that for the Colts, number two tight end Trey Burton is likely to miss the first few weeks with a calf injury, and that leaves the team's tight end depth chart with Doyle, Mo Alley-Cox, and Noah Togiai. So, you know, you might not have heard of those secondary players, so that may tell you right there that it's a good situation. But two, for Phillip Rivers now, the quarterback of the Colts, last season he targeted Hunter Henry on 76 targets over just 12 games. So that was a full season pace of 101, which was the fourth highest among tight ends behind just Kelsey, Darren Waller, and George Kittle in the top 40 of all receivers. So I think it's pretty likely that Rivers is going to heavily target his tight ends, and Doyle is clearly the guy in that respect. Go ahead and grab him in DraftKings for you this week. Sticking with the team, I think the running backs are a really interesting situation right here. With Marlon Mack being $400 less expensive than Jonathan Taylor in DraftKings, but $800 more expensive in FanDuel. Based on all the reports that I've seen, Mack is going to be, at least for the week one, the running back one of this team. So I think that makes him a much better value in DraftKings, whereas Jonathan Taylor is, is one of the worst values in DraftKings this week because of that. It's a little bit of a risk, but the Jaguars do look like they're tanking to me. They just traded Yannick Ngakwe and Ronnie Harrison from their defense in recent weeks. And then even last season, uh, they were a top five booster in yards per carry and touchdowns per carry. Also top 10 in terms of running back receiving uh, yards per target and touchdowns per target. So a lot of factors there that kind of point to the fact that it could be a good day for opposing running backs. If the, if the Colts can build a lead, then I think that, that Mack may be the one that salts it away. Really, both players could, could have some work. It's so you're kind of just playing with whichever one has the better value in the platform that you choose. But last season, Marlon Mack had 204 yards and two touchdowns in his two games when the Colts won by multiple scores. It could be a similar situation on Sunday. So I think Mac is a good value in DFS, although maybe not a player you want in the full season because Jonathan Taylor is just such an unbelievable prospect. He actually had the class-leading backcast projection, um, which gave him historical running back comps of Saquon Barkley and LaDainian Tomlinson. So, yeah, pretty good. My one, sh like, I guess reticence to buy into Taylor in the short term is that his college receiving ratio was very low at 4.3%. There have been a couple of backs that have gotten over that and started catching the ball a lot more in the pros. Melvin Gordon at 3.4% is an example, and James Conner at 4.3%. But mostly Taylor's comps are players like Terrence West, Peyton Barber, Nick Chubb, and Alfred Morris. I think Chubb is probably a good example of, of the type of player that Taylor can be at his best. And so long-term, obviously, that's a very valuable piece in fantasy, even if he's not catching a lot of passes. But just in the short term, maybe not a guy you want to use this week although much more viable in FanDuel than in DraftKings.
Okay, and then just kind of running through the gamut of some other guys that I think are going to be valuable this week. And really in both um, both platforms, I think Mitchell Trubisky on the road in Detroit, good value, more than $700 surplus in DraftKings at $5,400. Road Dome games boost quarterback completion percentage by 1.9% and yards per attempt by 2.3%. So that's actually more favorable than being at home in the outdoors, which Trubisky would normally be. Uh, Trubisky himself has actually had a pretty stark home road split over the last three seasons, 5.4 more PPR points per game at home than on the road. But I think that road matchup against Detroit is such that I'm not too worried about that normal split. Meanwhile, the Lions are just a very positive matchup for opposing quarterbacks. Last season, they were a, a top 10 booster in pass plays per game, even though they were a bad team, so kind of unusual there. And they were top 12 in boosting passing yards per attempt and top 10 in boosting passing touchdowns per attempt by 16%. So Trubisky, maybe not a player that you want to start, but in a tournament setting, a very good option for you this week. If you'd rather have a little bit more fun at quarterback, I think rookie Joe Burrow has a nice matchup at home against the Chargers, in particular in FanDuel. He's nearly a $900 value at his $6,600 price tag. So I just think Burrow has a really great receiving core. You've got a healthy returning A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd from the slot, John Ross is a deep threat, and rookie T. Higgins. Not to mention you have Joe Mixon at running back who can catch passes. You've got a lot of injury questions there, but to start the season when all of them are healthy, I think that's just great news for Burrow. And then with the Chargers, uh, they were uh, a top three boosting team in completion percentage for for opposing quarterbacks. And I think it's probably just going to get easier with some of the injuries they've suffered on defense. So I think that Burrow is a player that could maybe surprise both this week and this season, making him a bit of a play there. Next up, Le'Veon Bell at, uh, on the road against the Bills. Obviously not a great matchup there, uh, but he's the 19th most expensive running back this Sunday in DraftKings. So he's behind guys like James White, Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers with no guarantee of kind of workhorse type of roles. So I think Bell just ends up being a value based on kind of the overcorrection for this Bills matchup. To start with, Bell had a very poor 3.2 yards per carry average last season, but the Jets themselves had 3.8 adjusted line yards, the second lowest in football, suggesting they were one of the worst run-blocking teams. Well, in the offseason, they actually overhauled their entire offensive line, drafting left tackle Mekhi Becton in the first round and adding George Fant, Connor McGovern, and Greg Van Roten in free agency, all for more than $10 million contracts. So I'm thinking that the Jets' offensive line may be really improved in run-blocking this season. Meanwhile, for the Bills, they're not a good matchup. They cut run plays by 9%, and they cut rushing touchdowns per attempt by nearly 20%, but they're closer to neutral in terms of of receiving um, touchdowns and receiving yards per target for running backs. So I think even if Bell can't really make hay on the ground, he'll catch enough passes to make him a value relative to his prices in DraftKings and and FanDuel. Uh, Ronald Jones, Tampa Bay is on the road at New Orleans this week. I think particularly a value in, in FanDuel. I mean, based on Bruce Arians' comments, he's the running back one entering the season over Leonard Fournette. So it's to me, it's a little bit of a mystery that he's $5,700, whereas Fournette is at $6,900. Maybe it's a situation where that's just like legacy pricing from, from when he was the clear number one choice for, for the Jaguars. But obviously avoid Fournette in fan duels. Um, but given the relative value, I think Jones is a bit of a nice play there. But keep in mind that the Saints are not a good matchup for opposing running backs. They were a top five cutter of run plays per game last season, and they were a top uh, top five cutter of yards per carry. So this is really just more of a volume play with Jones, assuming that he's going to get most of the, the work there for, for the Buccaneers. So maybe a tournament play there as well for you. 
Uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, Philadelphia, on the road against Washington, $600 surplus value with just $4,100 in DraftKings. So you're a little bit scared there because he's the second tight end on the Eagles, but the Eagles have led all teams with 43% and 57% two tight end sets the last two seasons. So I think Goddard's going to be on the field a lot, even if he's not the number one tight end option. Meanwhile, the Washington football team last season was a top five booster of tight end receiving touchdowns per target at 38.3%. So I think that's probably a good reason to use Goddard there. And then his, his same, uh, on his same team, Miles Sanders, more than a $500 surplus in both platforms at $6,300 in DraftKings, $6,800 in FanDuel. To me, this is a situation where I think that the, the, the Washington football team could be dramatically improved defensively, in particular on the defensive line after drafting Chase Young, could be like a 49ers level of improvement. But I, I think that's probably more likely to hurt the rushing game than it is their short passing game of their opponents. So guys like Goddard and Sanders with those low average depth of targets could be getting a lot of catches that, that boost their fantasy value this week. Meanwhile, if the Eagles do manage to, to build a big lead in this game, Sanders to me seems like a good choice to salt away the game with extra carries in the second half. So I think he's a pretty good value in that respect as well. And then finally, Kenyon Drake, particularly a value in FanDuel, at just a $6,600 price tag, $600 surplus value. Uh, he's, he's just the 15th highest running back in salary in that format. And to me, he's the least expensive of the clear featured backs for the week. I think it's maybe a little bit of an overcorrection for the 49ers matchup. Cut rushing plays by uh, nearly 16% last year, third highest in football. So it isn't a great matchup, but I think that, that Drake, just by volume here, ends up being a worthwhile play for you. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms, and come back next Tuesday to hear all of our waiver wire thoughts. Thanks so much.